Hello and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godek, and with me today is Christopher Allen Lopez. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we actually tried to arrange this several months ago, then we realized that the things that you were involved in weren't going to be out yet, so we pushed it back. So I think the timing for this is is great. So thanks so much for your patience there, Chris. I really appreciate it. No sense being impatient in anything. Everything comes with time. So Chris recently joined the No Direction Network as a member of the Tavern Rats actual play for the Quest for the Frozen Flame Adventure Path from Paizo, where he currently plays Finn, the Draconic Bard. Uh, in addition to Tavern Rats, Chris is also playing through Rise of the Rune Lords and Hell's Vengeance for Pathfinder First Edition. You can reach Chris on Twitter at Mechanicus228, and you can find Tavern Rats on Twitter at Tavern Rats. Now, Chris, can you talk some about how you got involved in tabletop RPGs in the first place, and then maybe how that led to Tavern Rats and you joining the network? So, uh, like many of us, uh, I had parents who used to play. So I was introduced at a young age, kind of got in and out of it here and there. But generally, I found Pathfinder First Edition and it's kind of stuck with me. And then thanks to someone else who introduced my some of my uh, literature through my poetry to the KD team, I was reached out to by Lauren Dova. And here I am now sitting here being interviewed by yourself. <laughs> yeah, you know, you mentioned that like a lot of folks that um, they got introduced by their parents. I'm thinking, um, no, I'm the parent that introduced my kid. I'm like really old, so, <laughs> so I wish I had parents that played uh, tabletop RPGs. Um, you you mentioned you're a poet. What type of poetry do you do? So my poetry tends to be more reflective and introspective, bordering on surrealism. Um, one of my, I actually have one poem that's been published in a small collection. I mean, very small, like it, it, I don't have the book on me, but basically it's a poem that's meant to grasp the very essence of what depression is like, how it's like hmm. drowning in an ocean that you're just below the surface and you can see it, but you can't breach it. And every aspect of it is just the very air bubbles escaping you. It's like the suffering you're going through and all those little things. Uh, I've written poetry about life, about living, pursuit of happiness, joy, sadness. My primary goal uh, with my work is to eventually capture all the major emotions in a written mm. form so that those that have difficulty understanding them or being able to put something into words can refer to it and go, that's what I'm feeling. Wow. Yeah. That seems like it'd be quite a anthology uh, to put together, especially if you do all emotions and not just kind of the major ones on the, the wheel of emotions uh, that's out there. So <laughs> no, very, very cool. I, you know, I've talked to a lot of folks that have been writers, but uh, never anybody that's been a poet. And the only poetry I did was like, um, you know, poems to a girlfriend kind of thing. And none of that was, um, it was very meaningful, but I don't think any of it would have been very publishable. Just, I, just I've tried say. that. I, I'm terrible <laughs> at it. <laughs> so um, can you talk a little bit about how Tavern Rats came into being? You mentioned how um, you joined, but do you can you talk a little bit about the history behind it 
and uh, how the decision was made to start with Quest for the Frozen Flame, which I am very jealous of because um, the first book written by uh, Ron and Stephanie, uh, they're both really good friends of mine. So it's like, mm -hmm. I would love to play through that. So originally I was brought on with another gentleman by the name of Drew. Some of you may be aware of him from Legend Lore, and he does a little bit of that. He actually does the audio work for both us and Legend Lore. Uh, but Lauren reached out to us both as we both came from the same group and we sort of fell into place. She started working out ideas. She reached out to Owen Stevenson at one point uh, who had some things happen. He couldn't stay with us, unfortunately. I was literally no, looking forward to that. Yeah. I, there's so much I could have learned from him, but mm -hmm. I'm still learning so much from Lauren as well as Michelle Jones. And, and she's uh, the Jessica. GM, right? Yes. Michelle is our GM. And Jessica Redekop as well, who has been a fantastic teacher. I've learned so much from both, all three of them. I would say mm -hmm. both, but mm -hmm. Lauren, Lauren's been, holy smokes. She has tran made transformations with me that I was unprepared for. Wow. Um, she has, she's been a fantastic, like, set of eyes on my writing. Tears me apart every chance I get. But you know what? I'll take it because that's a way I can improve. Mm -hmm. And so going back onto the subject here. Because I'm going on a tangent. Uh, the Tavern Rats, we sat down. We kind of were spitballing ideas, getting ideas. What are we going to call ourselves? Drew being completely new to Pathfinder. Uh, this was his second group. And I was there for his first session, not even six months prior to us assembling this. Uh, I myself am brand new to second edition, which I'm learning right now. Come to love it. I know plenty of people that don't. They don't like how watered down it is oh i love second edition second I, edition I just it's so tight the math is so tight the really only, like that part of it the only thing that i've heard and this comes from somebody who works in the financial sector that doesn't have the same crunch the math isn't crunchy i'm bad at math Oop. so what 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 somebody's saying that pathfinder second edition the math isn't crunchy compared it to first crunchy. edition it isn't crunchy as first edition. I think they're mistaken. I uh, I happen to have a PhD in business. I will say definitively, second edition has more crunch. And so, uh, I'll go to I, bat with your finance friend anytime. <laughs> we'll see. For me, I'm still learning. I was never good at math to begin with. So second edition is definitely a lot more friendly for me. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's been interesting learning. Um, but dialing it back we'll we'll touch on that a little later the team we assembled it we got the ideas we started working out how like what are we going to name ourselves what's kind of our gig what we agreed that we we're going to do kind of like the friends around the table vibe right right I like you want to keep yeah. it you want to keep it open and accepting we've got people of all skill levels here all various backgrounds so when it came down to it we we're like well we would kind of be friends around a table, maybe in a tavern. Mm, and then mm -hmm. the, the rats thing kind of started bubbling up and we kind of rolled with it. And it's kind of, it kind of just stuck, you know, like you throw something at the wall, it sticks, it might not. And eventually when it does stick, you're kind of like, you know what? That looks good there. I like it. Now, did you guys talk about party composition? So you're playing a draconic bard, which you'll mm -hmm. have to explain a little bit more. So I, oh, I think will. I know what that means, but I just want to make sure. Um, but did you say, okay, we need this type, this type, this type? Because it seems like you have a pretty good spread when I look at your, your party composition. 
-hmm. Or did you say, this is just what each of us want to play and we'll just do it regardless? So Finn went through probably about four different iterations, actually. Um, wow. Yeah. Oh, getting a chance to play second edition, I admittedly saw all the options presented to us. We're using the free archetype system. So that mm -hmm. just cracks open a whole world of potential. Well, then right, I was given right. access to the third party book. Uh, heck, I forgot what it's from. And I mentioned it actually on Twitter in response to someone who was asking about Finn. But his heritage, he's human with the Draconic Scion background. Now, oh, okay. Okay. for the sake of spoilers, I actually am not going to give away what he is. But I will give Good. a little hint. No, he does... no spoilers. Oh, okay. No hints? No hints. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Make people listen. Make people listen. Fair. But he is a Draconic Scion, which gives him access to similar things to like the Draconic Blood Sorcerer and a couple other right. things that give Draconic feats. Right. However, it works as a heritage, which leads into a lot of other cool little things that I'm able to do. But it also comes from a third-party book. Um, right. What was it called? Battlezoo. No, Battlezoo? Right. Probably the Battlezoo, yeah, because they have a lot yep. of... Uh, Mark Seifner did a whole ton of stuff on dragons in there. So it was uh, Battlezoo Dragons, I believe. But yes, more the point is it gave yeah, me access. Yeah, for combat. Yes, it gave me access to some really cool things that are going to show up later. Nice, um, very nice. That being said, the Bard himself wasn't the first iteration. I was actually originally going to do a summoner. Hmm. I've wanted to play a summoner in first edition for a while. And unfortunately, due to people burned by the synthesis summoner, as I'm sure we've all heard of the many stories regarding what that can do, a lot of people are not really keen on it, unfortunately. So I finally had an opportunity with this group as their whole philosophy is play what you want. Right. Which I'm not used to at all. I come from groups that are very restrictive in a lot of ways. I have one group, the one that's currently going through Rise of the Rune Lords, that is not restrictive. They're just like the most advanced firearm you can use on a gunslinger is a revolver. Yeah, fair. Fair. I kind of get that. You know, that era, that kind of area, you're not going to really have the, you know, the full shotgun. You might have a blunderbuss, but that's about it. Uh, whereas I have another group that is very rules lawyery. Uh, if it's not by the book, it's wrong. And I'm like, where, where's rule zero? Where's rule zero? If you're not having fun, what, what are you doing? It's meant to have fun. So going back to Tavern Rats, I, I found my group and we discussed a little bit of party comp. Like we were like, okay, we need a healer. What should we do for a healer? We need this. But then it was left open from there. I ended up going through Finn as a summoner. I did a sorcerer. I did a bard, back to the summoner, and finally settled on the bard, but I took it a different direction. Because I was thinking the song singer from, you know, that background, but I was like, that that that's a little on the nose. What is something a bard can do? And then I remembered, bards are not strictly musical. A bard is of the arts, right? So why not visual art? Why not painting? Hmm. so mm -hmm. he casts his spells through his brush and one of the first things that he actually does in the campaign is he flicks ink into the air off his brush and casts magic missile with it oh, just that's a, a simple nice idea visualization. 
And recently, uh, this is the way I've been picturing using Bardic Inspiration. I forgot what it is actually referred to as, but the emanation effect where it gives that morale bonus is he present, he creates an imagery of like stampeding animals charging towards the enemies or a brilliant aurora that envelops the whole party. Something awe-inspiring. You're using Mm -hmm. visual Mm -hmm. art. Get creative. Have fun with it. Now, go ahead. No, no, no. That's great. So the, the, the real trick is figuring out how to take things that were originally designed for a musical bard, the traditional bard you all know and love, and applying it to a painting case. Like uh, uh, the, the, the bard ability for Pathfinder 2nd Edition, Triple Time. I've tinkered around with ideas for it, and I'm like, how could I make that work? Oh, the ink comes off the brush and envelops someone's feet or whatever ability, whatever to take, and it just happens to move them at a faster pace. They're, it helps them with their reflexes. It helps them react better. Or the case of uh, the Hymn of Healing. The, your ink washes over their wounds, slowly healing them over time. Now, is it always ink or is it sometimes paint? Because you've kind of gone back and forth with that visualization. A little bit of here, a little bit of there. Yeah. Uh, I mostly use paint with Fen, but why not both? Could be watercolor too. You know, mm-hmm. kind of fun. If you're if you're using Create Water, you use watercolors to create yeah. water. Yeah. Little ideas like that open up a lot of potential. Now that being said, there are other things I have done with Finn in upcoming episodes that give nods towards his heritage a little bit. Nice. I, well, I don't want you to give his... any spoilers on those. Oh no, but not all of his spellcasting comes from his paints. Some of his spellcasting ah. comes from elsewhere. <laughs> right. Cool. Very cool. Now, so you mentioned that um, you've already recorded some episodes, it sounds like, some yes. additional ones, even so though you just had the one coming out. Um, so can you tell me what your recording schedule is like in your process? I presume you're doing it online, or are you doing it in person? So we're scattered all over the country. Uh, Drew and myself yeah. live here, Florida. Uh, Lauren, where she lives, Jessica Ruddicop and Mimi, where they live. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what we do is we actually work through uh, vMix. We use vMix alongside Discord using a backup through the Discord bot known as Craig. Now, oh, it's been I've used Craig. Craig is very finicky at times. Craig may be finicky, but he saved our skins already. We had a vMix call get corrupt and Craig came in for us. Good for now, you. We- we, we had some bad luck with Craig. That's why I switched over to Zencaster. What have you seen? <laughs> now, our recording schedule is every other week. Uh, we tend oh, to good. try to record on Mondays, every other Monday. That way we're not interrupting the Legend Lore thing while we're not interrupting Michelle Jones' schedule or Jessica's schedule. And we, mm-hmm. we try to keep it consistent. Of course, everybody has things come up. Um, you know, I, I've... I personally don't have too much going on right now. Thankfully, thankfully that was last year. Um, but for now it's just keeping that schedule going. We, we keep, we have about five, six episodes ready to go right oh, now. That awesome. are yeah. yeah. And we're going to keep to the same release schedule. So don't worry everyone. Yep. They'll be coming out. But as it stands, we, uh, that way, if anything comes up, we have a backup. 
we have some yeah. we have stuff ready to go so that way if anything's going on we're just able to go we don't miss an episode and we keep it moving yeah. yeah no it's great to have it have them banked um for when i first started doing our actual play we we didn't have much so we had to keep on a tight schedule and right now um my actual play we have 20 episodes banked so oh it's like it's gonna be 10 months before we finish things up and we finished our last recording like three months ago so <laughs> you know it, it's weird for me i go back and i edit them and post them i think oh yeah this is like from like forever ago and i gotta remember what's going on um <laughs> but it's like we just got into a schedule and we record a couple episodes each night that we met and it just kind of happened so good it mm. sounds like you guys are off to a to a, you know, really strong footing there. Now um, you're playing both uh, Pathfinder and first edition and second edition adventure paths. Now mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that you felt second edition was a little bit easier and less crunchy. Um, well, I wouldn't say it's less crunchy because there's like, as you're saying, there is still crunch there. Oh yeah. my goodness. Uh, as I, we just recently dinged a second level in the recorded episodes and that's going to be an interesting experience. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually be looking out. Uh, if you don't mind me plugging a little bit, there sure. there will be something working on that. Uh, just keep an eye out from the Tavern Rats Twitter because we may have something for you guys in regarding that coming out. Just keep nice. that in mind. Nice. But it won't be for a while, as I said. <laughs> you guys are we're working on episodes ahead of time, so we have those ready for you and ready to go. Nice. But so uh, the. Go ahead. Do you ever have a difficulty um, keeping track of which which edition you're in because you're playing both kind of concurrently? So fortunately, that's actually not too difficult for me. I um, thankfully have a talent for being able to compartmentalize information. I used to play a lot of card games. Uh, I mean, obviously, the more popular ones like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh! I actually did Pokemon competitively at one point. However, I've also played other games and keeping track of all of that when I was competing in all of them at the same time. You you just learn to compartmentalize mm -hmm. information. And thankfully, after playing through seven different tabletop RPGs, all with different rule systems, you kind of just learn to separate it. Now, thankfully, also with the Pathfinder thing, I use a different system than I do for my first edition plays. Uh, my first edition plays, I actually use the application uh, RPG Scribe. Uh, it's mm -hmm. been nothing short of miraculous, especially if you're terrible at keeping track of numbers. Oh my goodness, it does almost everything for you. As, now, I am playing a necromancer in Hell's Vengeance, so there actually is no undead trait stuff you can do in there, but that, that that's something that I hope will come in time. Now, the rule sets, it's not too bad. Nothing too difficult because second edition is just drastically rebuilt from first first edition uses the standard you know that's been set by dnd over the years the right. free action the swift action whereas second edition uses the three action system which i have come to love so much i know isn't it great once you do it you don't want to turn away from it <clears throat> well it's like i'm used to being able to go oh well i move and i get one attack whereas in second edition i go i move and I attack, attack. And you get your iterative attacks out the gate. You might not be able to use them that well, but you get them. You know, it, it makes it feel more dynamic. I think that's the word I was going mm. for is dynamic. Is mm. it, um, for example, in second edition, there's actually an ability in the free archetypes 
the uh, the Chrono Skimmer archetype has a charge that you can do for two actions. You charge to your target, do a strike, and then immediately teleport back to where you started for two actions. That's great. Wow, that is you awesome. Wouldn't, you wouldn't get that kind of thing without like a, a three feet dip minimum right. at eighth or ninth level in in Pathfinder First Edition or any other tabletop RPG. However, I've also noticed things are a lot deadlier. <laughs> You're just yes. like, oh, look, I'm doing fine. And acid shot to the face for 1d10 damage at first level. <laughs> well, and how crits work as well. I, I was playing oh, a I game just uh, on Wednesday um, last week, and I got critted three times in one encounter. Dropped me like a rock. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... Crits feel rewarding in second edition. Whereas first edition, coming from playing Cardfight Vanguard, which is a very luck-based card game, old, the old crit systems, I like them in a way, uh, but they don't reward good builds unless you're building into a crit. Oh, Unless right. you're doing, you know, the scimitar with Keen, with all right. that other stuff. You, you, whereas in second edition, you build well, you're gonna get you're gonna crit a lot and not get crit often. You're, if you build a spellcaster well, you're gonna crit succeed on all your stuff more often. You don't build well, you're gonna crit fail on your stuff, and it's gonna hurt. Yeah. Um, I actually dread not the nat one, but the you know fail by ten. <sighs> right. I'm like, oh, I don't want to fail by ten on this. That's not good. Yeah. But I, no, but what's sure, really sure. nice? What's really nice, right? is there's some spells that you actually, like, the crit succeed is what you want. But if you fail, and not just crit fail, but fail, you still get something out of it. It doesn't feel yeah. wasted. Like It's not a save or suck kind of spell. Exactly. Like, yeah. uh, playing, uh, specifically in the Hell's Vengeance campaign, I'm playing the Undead Lord Cleric. It locks you into the Undead domain. You lose your second domain, but you get an, a corpse companion that is a undead servant that you basically animate dead. It's equal to your hit die. Hmm. Uh, unless it's a variant. And if it's a variant, it gets half. However, it's like playing the undead domain only <clears throat> locks you out of a lot of stuff for your domain spells. Right. And a lot of the, uh, not a lot of necromancy in the undead domain <clears throat> are saber sucks that quite literally don't do anything if they fail. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, well, that was a wasted slot. Right. Whereas right. second edition, I do something and it's like, oh, well, it went from a 1d6 strength damage to a 1d4 minus two or something, right? And you're like, okay, it did something. It, I contributed here, which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to compensate for that, they made the encounters more deadly, but honestly, I like the deadlier encounters. Um, as I said, my other, well, I don't know if I said it. My other group tends to use a remixed version of Rise of the Rune Lords that's full of all sorts of nasty tricks and traps. Hmm. And I enjoy the deadly encounters. It makes it feel good when you do something right. Right. And right. it punishes you for getting cocky. You don't mm-hmm. want to run into the room with a white dragon that's an ancient white dragon. That's a bad idea. Right. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> But it does reward you when, you know, your sorcerer successfully baleful polymorphs a white dragon that's 800 feet in the air. 
Right. It's like, oh, look, now it's a, a rabbit falling 800 feet. <laughs> so now that you're doing uh, the Tavern Rats actual play, what advice do you have for people considering starting their own and playing in an actual play? What have you learned so far? Well, I'll actually be partially addressing this in my upcoming blog. because Part of my blog is actually for the people that are going to be, that have a desire to do this sort of thing. I myself, everyone, this is my first foray into this kind of environment. I'm a private person. I've never really done the, the broadcasting or anything like that too much. Uh, when I did do stage production type stuff, it's been, God, I'm 32 now. It's been 17 years since I touched that kind of thing. So for me, it's kind of getting back into it. The, the, the major thing is trust yourself. Like I was brought in for my writing. Sure. People like Michelle Jones, Jessica Redekob, the Paizo writers, the freelancers, they far outclass my skill. I mean, holy smokes. I put my stuff next to it. It looks like a chicken scratch at best. However, you were brought in for a reason if you do it. And if you're doing it, set your own expectations. Don't, don't try to aim for those stars up there. That's a terrible idea. Don't try to compare yourself to Critical Role. Don't try to compare yourself to all the big names. We all aim to be there, but you're not there. I'm still learning. I am an amateur, but it's a hobby, and it's something I enjoy doing. The major thing is find what you're good at. Lean into that, but never stop improving. Always find ways to get better. I mean, even as much as it could be like me learning to better use an Oxford comma, like learn to put it where it belongs <laughs> or better yet not learn to not use it learn I like to the use Oxford comma though I um what was it lauren recently introduced me to two elements of writing that i didn't even know existed the n dash and the m dash and i still don't entirely understand them but they're more elements of breaking up a sentence structure just like you would use a semicolon yeah so yeah, it's apparently, just um m dash is not favored for a lot of writing so <laughs> I'm still learning, so I'm just going to roll with it. But yeah. my thing is, right. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, um, continue on. I, I wasn't sure if you're still talking about your advice oh. uh, there. We, we kind of went into writing things. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could go on for hours about it. Um, the major thing is trust yourself. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have the imposter complex. I'd had it huge when I, first got on with no direction it was i'd been going through a lot i mean i just went through a terrible breakup i was i had just started therapy i had just started this whole process of going through medical problems a stomach infection that had been ongoing for 10 years was finally getting resolved so for me it was just so much at once and then meeting all these people that have written the books or had hands in the books that i had been enjoying for years at this point on top of all of that, you can imagine what that's like for somebody. I mean, I, I Lauren gave me crap because at one point when I first was introduced to a few people, I was like, oh, I'm starstruck. This is this is too much. I'm already ADHD and I'm just over here going. <laughs> but understand that you're going to have the self-doubt. You're going to have the imposter complex. It's going to hit you. You're going to have those moments you're going to go, what do I even bring to the table? Like, what am I doing here? These people are better than me. And then it, then it clicks on you and you go, these people are better than me. 
that means I have room to improve. These people can teach me things. Even if it doesn't work out, even if you don't succeed, even if you don't get there, take the opportunity to go, what can I learn right now? What can I take? Like, for example, if I was to sit in an actual play with Ryan, I can guarantee you there's so much I can learn. If I was to sit in an actual play with yourself, I could learn so much. And that's what it's for. I joined up in the direction originally kind of on a whim. I had not been doing much with my life. I needed something to go. I needed something. And then as I got in, it kind of started to settle. And I was like, I could, I could get used to this. This is, this is different. I've got a, a healthy table. I've got a welcoming environment. But most importantly, I'm learning again. I'm improving. I'm writing again. And that's really been the thing is it boils down to, again, trust yourself. Well, you get a really it. good group there. So I, I think um, I think you're going to learn a lot from them. <laughs> so. I already have, and I'm happy to keep learning. It's been an experience. Lauren beats it into my head every time. <laughs> now, I you mentioned with... this blog, and I wanted to circle back to that. So mm -hmm. um this sounds like a pretty cool thing that you're working on. Can you talk a little bit more about it? I'd be happy to. Um, so the blog itself is going to be kind of complimentary to the Tavern Rats. Part of it's going to be recaps of what's been going on in the episode that just aired. Part of it's going to be a more down-to-earth experience. As I'm learning 2nd Edition right now, and I'm completely new to this whole thing as a gr from the ground up. The very idea of working in broadcasting and all of that is new to me. But that's part of it. It's going to be sharing those experiences, encouraging others. I was once a senior patrol leader of a Boy Scout troop. I once ran a troop that had leadership that actively would try to wrest control from the kids. They would try to wrest control from the boys. And while it's still the adult leader's decisions on how things go, they would try to get involved in everything. And they would try to dig their claws in and make it go the way they wanted to go. So the boys just kind of went with it, right? And what kind of Boy Scout troop is that? Isn't, isn't the whole point of Boy Scouts teaching the boys how to make their own groups, how to lead their own groups? And ever since then, it's just kind of been, I want to inspire others, you know? Show them that they're not beholden to some preconceived notion of who they are. Be yourself. Experiment. See the world for what it is. Don't see the world you're shown. I mean, isn't that what playing Pathfinder is all about? Being something more than you are and experimenting with sides of you that you may never get the chance to do. Seeing new things through new ways. Like, I built Finn, right? Finn's personality is... If in the first episode, I'm still working on the first couple episodes, I'm still kind of dialing him in. You guys are going to notice that real quick. I think about episode three, it suddenly... Something changes. We went through an entire boot camp after that. <laughs> but Finn, Finn is built as a care mechanically as a switcher, right? He opens the combat with some, you know, some little bit of crowd control here, a little bit of thing here, and then once all that's said and done, he switches over and starts getting aggressive. But as a character, I've built Finn to be insecure, naturally. He's he's been through a lot. He's experienced a lot. He's un unproven. He wants to prove himself. 
he, he he's kind of relatable to the younger crowd or even people my age or your age that have just finally got their lives going. And he's presented with this opportunity to see the world outside of the following, to see the world outside of what he's used to. There's so much more out there he doesn't know. And when he was introduced to Ren, someone from the outside world completely, from a completely different region, he's over there like, there's more? There's so much more? So he's excitable, energetic, and driven to be more, driven to do so much, but he also has an innate desire to protect those around him. Almost a compulsion. And it shows unintentionally in one episode where he, I, I was trying to do a party leader role and it did, did no, it was terrible. It was a terrible decision on my part. Shouldn't have done it. Um, I got chewed I want to circle that. back a little bit here. So you're kind of de describing some things here. And are these things that you're going to be bringing out in the blog? Kind of explaining yes. this a little bit more detail? Mm -hmm. Or how does that going to fit together? So some of it's going to be, again, the personal experiences. Some of it's going to be, hey, you know, trust yourself, do your thing. The major thing is just a lot of it is going to build into it. These are little things that have always been on my mind, right? But the real thing that's going to be in the blog is going to be my experiences compared to past tables and not just in Pathfinder. Mm, okay. I've come from numerous tabletop RPGs. I used to play D&D. I've played Mage. I've played 7th Sea. I've played Savage World Systems. Necessary Evil is absolutely fun, but my DM hated me for that one. <laughs> but coming from all those different systems, you get myriads of different types of players. I have had tables that were restrictive. I had a Souls-like campaign. Somebody actually built Dark Souls in 5th edition. It was pretty cool. I died like seven times. <laughs> But I'm planning to share my past experiences. Maybe that'll resonate with people who don't have the best tables. Maybe those that only have had good tables and don't understand why some people might be put off. Maybe it could help the people get others into it and go, hey, this guy's dealing with your same problem and look at him. He's still mm -hmm. going for it because he's decided to find a better table. And these will be related to what you've, you've been going through with the Tavern Rats as well. Then. Mm -hmm. Tavern Rats has been arguably the best table I've ever had. I mean, sure, my other tables are fun. But this group, it, we're constantly on top of each other for personal growth. We're like, hey, mm -hmm. that wasn't cool. Don't do that. And we're like, oops, sorry. <laughs> we have um, a, a sheet that we did before we even started the campaign that we all went through and marked off things we were okay and not okay with. So that way we could avoid them in the campaign. Oh, that's good. Things yeah, you that should share that in the blog for sure. That kind of idea. I, that's a great one. I, I, I might, I might. And it's that I believe that was either, I believe it was either Mimi or Jess that came up with it. It might've been Lauren. It was God, when we, when we did this, it was, it was still last year when we did this, when we were first setting up Tavern Rats. Mm -hmm. um, we have been ongoing with a lot of issues. People were being sick, Owen being out. We were right. kind of like, what are we doing? But I, I, I definitely will be sharing the concept behind that yeah. because it's definitely, it allowed for us to go into it knowing we're not going to walk into things that make us uncomfortable. And if we right. walk into something that's going to make us uncomfortable, we know. 
Super. And that Mimi can adjust it for the things that are just don't touch it. Now, if you don't want to have instances of a kid getting caught up in a warfare situation, well, that can be eroded out and redone in a way that's a little bit more palatable. You'll have situations like in uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne, that campaign setting from first edition. For those of you familiar with it, there's actually like a citywide pandemic that breaks out. Now, when I was playing it, surprisingly enough, it was during the COVID-19 outbreak, which is very on the nose. A couple of our guys weren't cool with that. They yeah, left that group. I can imagine. They, they were just yeah. like, I ain't touching this. I ain't dealing with it. Not, no, no. Whereas me, I'm just like, oh, that's the campaign. Here we go. It doesn't phase me. Yeah, I think I think setting ground rules like that is is really important. It's, you know, I've been fortunate, you know, our actual play actually, we played together for a couple of years before we mm-hmm. decided just to record. And so we've been together almost six years now. And we never laid groundwork like that because we all knew each other and a lot of that was kind of out. But to, when you bring a group of people together, a lot of them that haven't played together, I can I can see how that's that's mm-hmm. that's really important. And well, Chris, I've really enjoyed this opportunity to get a chance to get to know you and learn a little bit more about Tavern Rats. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Pleasure. I just hope I didn't ramble too much for you. <laughs> oh, you were great. Thanks so much. Thank you.